Welcome to the Rising Grind Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Alex. What are we drinking today, Alex? Look, forget about what we're drinking. <gasps> this podcast is brought to you by Rise Fitness, a West Midlands-based PT service. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping ahead. <laughs> a West Midlands-based PT service uh, that also offers online programming. You can find out more about us at www.risefit.co.uk. <laughs> Ask me again. So, Alex, what are we drinking today? Well, Sarah, we're drinking a Kenyan Cabanyara AA, washed. Ooh. We released Cabanyara at the start of the year and enjoyed it so much we had to bring it back again. Built in 1988, Cabanyara is part of an association of wet mills established by the Caritati Cooperative. The mill sits on seven acres of flat land in view of the hills that grow towards the north. This year's Cabanyara crop maintains its unique brightness and juicy acidity, whilst also displaying vibrant notes on the final cup. We visited the cooperative in spring 2019 to meet with the workers and experience some of the farms firsthand. During our trip, we presented the farm with a bag of their previous crop. It was a fantastic experience to bring the coffee back to source and present it to the cooperative, showcasing the full supply chain. What you can expect from this Cabanyara Double A is notes of blackberry, cranberry, and blood orange with a medium, juicy body and short, clean finish. Mm. Well, Sarah, cheers. Thank you. I mean, it is fruity, but I thought the last one tasted fruity. Mm, I, I definitely think it's a short, clean finish. Oh, yeah. Does, it does like it, leaves your mouth to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't stick around. No, it doesn't linger, I will say. But I think that's a Kenyan trait, isn't it? Because they're like, all the runners are fast. Oh, God. They just keep... It's just like, it yeah. comes and goes. Honestly. No, it's nice, though. It's like, like, we're talking about CrossFit. Jeez. Those guys have got speed nailed. This is something that I would drink in the morning first thing. This is like a first thing in the morning well, drink. What I think is going to be nice about it is I don't think it's going to leave your breath stinking. Yeah. Like, oh. like morning breath plus coffee. Mm-hmm. Not fun. Not a fun Sheesh. time. Not a fun time. You know, that's why I don't do morning sessions. <laughs> Just because it's like coffee and like breakfast and... Well, you know what it's like in Black Country Barber. Sometimes they have the music up ridiculously loud. Yes. Strange times during the day. So... If that means I've got to come into close proximity with someone... Ah, uh, makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. exactly Rather right. than just yell at them across the gym. I mean... One more round! I've, I always feel like I should be asking people what they want to drink, because, you know, it's like a club vibe. <laughs> Can I get you a drink? <laughs> you, vodka, vodka Rebel! Have you ever watched The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I have. I haven't seen it since it came out, but I've seen The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, it's about this guy called Arthur Dent, who's this bumbling Englishman. Uh, who ends up getting abducted by aliens and taken around the galaxy. But whilst he's still on planet Earth, he falls in love with this girl, played by Zoe Deschanel. Oh, I forget. Trixie, I think, is the character's name. But anyway, um, he meets her in this like house party. In the, in the house party, they've got a DJ. I don't know, don't all house parties. <laughs> and anyway, he's like trying to chat her up, and he's trying to be funny, and he's like, all these people are idiots. 
And then she's like, what? What did you say? And at the same time that he goes to repeat himself, someone bumps the DJ decks. The music stops and he says, I said all these people are idiots. <laughs> and then everyone's <laughs> looking at him. And in the film, it's so well-timed. It's perfect. But I feel like sometimes in, in, in the BCB, oh, not well. that I'm saying everyone's idiots, I mean more... Yeah, it it's is just very loud, loud in yeah. there. But it's vibes. It's yeah. cool. Like, I've been in there if I've gone in on my own to do a session and I've got my headphones on where I'm listening to my Carly Rae Jepsen and my Lizzo and my <laughs> mostly female empowerment pop. And then, like, there's, like, a pause in the song or something and all I hear is just blaring grime in the background. I'm like, ah. Stormzy's here. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. It feels like it sometimes. So, last episode, we uh, I did a lot of the talking. You did do a lot of the talking. Um, which I apologise for. No, it was interesting. But uh, I think it's time that we even the playing field. So we're going to talk about you. <gasps> what about me? Well, as we alluded to, you might have had you know, a moderate transformation. A, a, a slight uh, you know, you look a little a, bit different. A little, little bit of a little bit of a change. Yeah, I mean, you carried it very well. <laughs> no one could tell. It's fine. Like yeah. you know. So we're gonna talk about your fat loss journey, mm-hmm. um, your change in your body composition, and um, let's start off with some straight up facts. How much weight have you lost to date? To date, um, give or take five to ten pounds. At my weight as of this morning, I have lost around one hundred and fifty pounds. Cool. Not an insubstantial amount. No. I've lost a average-sized, actually slightly heavier than average-sized woman. Nearly 11 stone. Yeah, pretty much. And sort of what time period is that over? Uh, so the initial... Because it's, it's been in phases. Yeah. So the initial first big fat loss phase... Well, no, when, did it, when, did, when, did, when were you at your heaviest? I was at my heaviest in 2015. Okay. We're now at the back end of 2019. Yes. So that has been over a period of years. And like you talked about in the first episode, you've gone through different phases yeah. of how you've approached those changes. Yeah. Yeah. So when did the, when did you, when have you gone through the biggest? So the biggest was in about 15 months. So that was roughly from around October, 2015. Um, and that's when I lost the bulk of the weight so I lost 10 stone in that time yeah. uh, and then over the following sort of two and a half three years have kind of maintained gained a bit lost a bit gained a bit lost a bit yeah. uh, as is with sort of general life yeah. Um, but yeah so the, the the first initial bit was around cool. uh, a year and a half sweet so um we should probably just touch on, um, and just in case people don't know, uh, macronutrients. So mm-hmm. macronutrients are basically um, how we uh, get our calories. Yeah. You have proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. In proteins and carbohydrates, for every gram, you've got four calories. Mm-hmm. And for every gram of fat, you have nine calories. Okay, so if, just uh, for simplicity's sake, um, my daily calorific intake was 1,700 calories, I could have... 100 grams of fat. Yep. 100 grams of protein, 100 grams of carbs. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we're both just trying to do maths desperately in our head. We're like, <laughs> yes, that is correct. That is correct. Yeah. So that would be 400 calories from carbs, 400 calories from protein, 400 calories, sorry, 900 calories from fats. Um, and there is, you know, many ways of uh, 
reducing calorific intake mm -hmm. and uh, how we measure that. And one of the ways we can do it is a methodology called if it fits your macros, which basically means you can eat whatever you want. Yeah. Still be in a calorie deficit. Yeah. As long as it fits in with your macronutrient plan, mm -hmm. um, which is designed to obviously hopefully create a bit of balance. So, for example, all my carbohydrates could come from a Mars bar. Yeah. All my fats could come from, I don't know why you'd want to do this, but a knob of butter. All my protein could come from maybe less optimal uh, sources of protein. Yeah. But maybe I'm having a bit of fats in there and I've gone for like a greasy burger. Yeah, exactly. So you can still eat trashy food and lose weight. Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, and I did for a long time. Um, for... So for, for me, um, one of the biggest things, and actually what has made this round of fat loss the most sustainable and what I would consider the healthiest uh, round, um, is adopting some aspects from if it fits your macros, but moving more towards like a flexible dieting approach. Um, I remember a few years ago, we, we talked about the 80-20 rule, yeah. which is a lot easier in theory than it is in practice. Mm. Because as, um, and we'll get on to this more in a minute, as someone who has issues with binge eating, I can't always be like, oh, this is fine because it fits in my macros. Uh, and then I'll go back to eating, like I could eat like fish and chips, which is the one thing the one takeaway that I can always eat. Fish and chips is the it's the thing I don't understand why it's the thing for me. Um, but it's one of those things in my diet that it would blow my entire calories in a day. It would be probably actually greater than the amount of calories I consume. Um, and it's that sort of emotional relationship to food that really I think has to play a part in your diet rather than just this is my macros, this is what I'm hitting. If you're one of those people that can literally look at your macros and go, okay, I'm going to hit this and then once I've eaten this, I'm done. That's great and you're a very lucky person. Yeah. So with that being said though, you are someone, in fact, you're the only client that I've ever really had that's kind of tracked so many different metrics within their training. Yeah. And plotted the data points for that on such a regular basis you know mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people are afraid of weighing themselves because they feel like it's going to lead to eating disorders because that's kind of what we've been told but in effect what can be what's measured can be controlled right yeah and I think that's probably why people have, um, are fearful of that because often you know it, you, you you become hyper aware of what you're weighing and if it's not what you want to be weighing then and, and you're potentially in a vulnerable place then you know, things can go awry. So how have you managed your sort of um, obsession with collecting data around your your lifestyle journey that you've been on since 2015? Um, and why do you think that, and if it fits your macros approach, doesn't suit you considering you are so data obsessed and could probably... In theory, do it. Yeah. Um, so sort of the first part of that question of how have I managed it uh, for the for I think for a lot of people who lose large amounts of weight you never no one ever starts by tracking like no. rarely I think people who have 
massive amounts of weight to lose, start by going full pelt tracking. I think with a lot of people, and actually it's something Obese to Beast talks about where he calls it the common sense diet, I just started walking and then started being like, if I'm going to walk this far, I probably shouldn't eat a, a croissant before I start work. Like that, you know, it kind of negates my walk that I've just done. I've put this effort in. Um, and then I think by nature of that, you start to pick up healthier mm. attitudes, but that can only get you so far. See, I, I think sometimes though it works inversely. Mm-hmm. So like people do exercise and they'll be like, oh, now, now I can go and have a pizza, right? Cause yeah, because they've like, convinced themselves that yeah, the like, light jog they went on burned 700 know, calories. Yeah, and like, so I, when I was working at Pure Gym, I overheard someone saying, uh, you know, like they were... Ordering their pizza after finishing the gym session, and like, cool, yeah, you know, maybe actually it does it that is fine for them and it's working for them stuff, but you know, uh, you know, after boot camp, for example, I've seen people just go off and like go and get pastries and stuff, and I'm like, okay, fine, like you know, I'm not got anything wrong with the fact that you're going and having a pastry and stuff, yeah, but don't start complaining to me that you're not losing weight that you're not losing weight when when that's how you yeah. reacted to doing something very positive because from my perspective if you're training you're working damn hard to try and create adaptation within the body yeah so you better reward your body with something that's going to support that otherwise what's the point exactly so um i after boot camp or before we train on certain days i make sure that the meal closest to training is my most nutritionally dense um, and is my most, and is in theory the healthiest, mm. and is the. I joke with my dad that he has body fuel, because uh, he calls good food body fuel. Mm. Like if he's eating a bunch of vegetables, he'll be like, "This is body fuel. This is Sarah." Um, but it's true. Like that's the food that makes you feel good. Why would you not want to eat it more? And I know that's an attitude that I've kind of developed this year. So I, I think if you'd asked me this question a year ago. Mm. I had a very different relationship with food and exercise. Um, And in part, the data tracking has really helped with that. So I never weighed myself, ever. And then I got on the scales and realised that I was 280 pounds, 20 stone, for the British. Um, I say that like I'm not British. Um, for the British for the British and then I weighed myself again uh, when I'd when I'd reached like a, a dress size that I liked and that's how I sort of tracked the but I didn't weigh myself throughout that process mm. um, which I think was probably positive for me at the time mm-hmm. uh, looking back now I probably could have been more consistent if I'd weighed myself uh, but it worked for me then mm. Now I'm in a different state and any sort of fat loss that I'm doing now, I think we have to consider with the, con- uh, the context of I was morbidly obese. I was pre-diabetic. Chances are I would have, if I continued gaining at the weight that I was, I probably would have been bed bound by... It's mad that you're only pre-diabetic, really. Oh yeah, I know. Like It's because I was young. That's mm. pretty much it. Um, and... If I'd have continued at that rate, you know, my life slash quality of life would have been cut short much further than it was. Hopefully it will be. Um, (laughs) Don't want to die. Uh, Whereas now, 
the sort of fat loss rounds that I've been going on are much more um, performance and aesthetic based Mm -hmm. than necessarily health based. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, so I know now any continuing weight that I want to lose is for performance purposes, is for aesthetic purposes I am a much healthier human being than I was then yeah so for example mm-hmm. talking about, we talked last week about um, the gymnastics course that I went on mm-hmm. well as it happens if you've got less extra body weight to move gymnastics mm-hmm. suddenly becomes a lot easier what so when I when I was carrying more weight I like I could do strict pull-ups but I could only do like two or three yeah I lose the, I lose the weight and like this year like I, I got 20 which was the most I'd ever done like and yeah, fair enough. Consistency of training has helped with that. I have got stronger. Yeah. But the fact that I'm 15 kilos lighter is a lot. Well, it's a like, lot nicer. It's like if you consider trying to, um, and it's one of the things that I'll do sometimes. Uh, if I ever get a weird dissonance with the weight loss, I'll try and pick up the weight that I've lost mm. and try and mm. walk around with mm. it. And it's crazy because you you don't fully realize how much you you're you're struggling. Until you you're not struggling anymore. So, if if I think now, well, you can't pick up the weight. No, I can't. <laughs> exactly, lost, it's crazy. Like yeah. I don't know how I move. I genuinely, looking back, no wonder my general activity was so low. I was, and I'm not even. Um, I think because we see examples of like my six hundred pound life. We see documentaries of half a ton people we're not addressing the problem that obesity and you know this isn't me getting on like uh aesthetics and whether people are valued or whether people deserve help that you know a lot more people are obese than than think they are yeah well so let's let's talk about something that you just said though so when someone's carrying extra weight extra body fat um you can still be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like it does, and also like it doesn't make you any less valuable as a human being. Exactly. At all. When if I said to you you're fat, I'm not saying I'm saying that from a factual perspective, yeah. um, rather than I want you to feel bad about it. Yeah. I want you to feel bad about it because I want you to sort your health out. Not, yeah. Not because. It means that you, you, I don't value you as a person. That, you, um, that, I, that you, you're not a, still a beautiful human being. Yeah. So this whole kind of trend of like body confidence um, within uh, people that are in that position is good. Yeah. But let's still endorse health. Exactly. That's yeah? that's my but, mindset behind it. Yeah. Like let's still endorse that actually. Carry like being obese or carrying you know excess levels of body fat is not healthy. That in itself yeah. is not a critique of you as a person. Yeah. It's a fact, factual statement about the composition of your body. Yeah. And we, if we can separate the two, first of all, your fat loss journey will be a lot easier. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think, but I think that's part of the issue is that people feel like they're being attacked if they if someone tries to talk about it and actually if you care about someone like being able to have an honest and open conversation mm-hmm. about their health <laughs> yeah I mean if they had cancer you'd talk about it yeah right like if they were like say let's assume the rest of their body were like 
aesthetically was very healthy. They had great cardiovascular, but mm-hmm. they had cancer, right? You would have I'm that. Sure, I understand. Oh, thank you, Siri. For Thanks, Siri. You would have that conversation. Yeah. With with that person about you know, um, the treatments. Yeah. Yeah. So why can't we do the same when it comes to obesity? Yeah. I think another thing. You often see the smoking comparison online. Mm. Um, it's where people will be like, well, how come... So smoking is unhealthy. It's not a healthy thing. There is there is nothing healthy about smoking. There is nothing healthy about obesity. Mm. Both of those things are... And this is... So, like It's something that people think is an unpopular opinion, but it's not unpopular. It's just science. You have to eat in excess to become obese. Mm. Or, unless you're one of the very small percent of the population that has a genuine thyroid issue. Hello. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there are a lot more people think they have thyroid problems than actually <laughs> have thyroid problems. Yeah. Um, to to have excess body fat, you have essentially consumed more. And I'm not than than you've burnt. And I'm not mm. saying you're a terrible person for it. Mm. I would be a hypocrite if I was. Um, but you effectively have done actions that have got you to this state and that's you. You're the person that's done it unless you're a child and that's a whole separate other yeah. conversation. Yeah. And you got to take ownership of that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you like, and as well, don't get me wrong, like there will be a humongous amount of different factors in what leads people to be making those decisions exactly. in their life. Not least of all, external uh, external sources. So people making them feel bad about it. Oh, yeah. okay, I feel like crap. What's going to make me feel good? Eating shitty food. Okay, exactly. cool, well, let's go. Like, and it becomes, that's where the cycle becomes. So yes, other people might have had a play to, play to it, but in the at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the fact that you put that food into your mouth. So you, you can blame other people as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're blaming external sources, you're never going to be able to change within yeah and um it's your relationship with food there's the issue yeah not their relationship with food exactly it's how it's it's the fact that you use food to deal with how you feel yeah is what's the issue you know like we we talked about this a little bit um in the last episode or the episode before um like if if, so if it it was if you're using drugs yeah we'd be having a, a big conversation about it right yeah um, but when it comes to eating and, and stuff, yeah, oh, it's like uh, it's my mum's fault because uh, when I was younger, um, like she just used to buy sweets all the time, and now yeah. I can't stop eating. Or um, I used to get bullied in school. Yeah, and yeah, that is okay. Fair enough. You did get bullied, like, but you still ate the food. Yeah, and it's now you, and and you'll put your continuance pay the price as long as you yeah. blame, put that blame onto other people. Exactly, and whatever revenge you're trying to seek isn't affecting the other person. Yeah, so. Me being like, ah, oh, I had a terrible day at work, or I had a, you know, someone said something to me that's really upset me. I'm then only hurting myself. Mm. Like that's not they don't that hasn't affected them. Yeah. That's, you know, I. One of the 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 biggest things that I I sort of had to deal with, I'm still dealing with to an extent, and is one of the things that the tracking the data really helps with, is any form of disordered eating. And I think, um, I think as a society, we normalise unhealthy relationships with food so much so that 
when someone does look at what they eat and is showing an interest in what they eat, we automatically assume that that's the disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So it's perfectly, you know, acceptable for people to go out to an all-you-can-eat buffet, eat until they're stuffed, feel terrible afterwards, um, and then, like, go around and sit around on the sofa all day. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but if you look at it as a purely physiological thing, you're eating to the point of pain, you're putting yourself in discomfort. That's not good for your body. Um, I'm not saying don't ever do it. Like, I can eat. Like, if you get me, you know... We have a joke in my family that as a child I used to eat an entire roast chicken. Like I could eat an entire roast chicken as like a seven-year-old, which is ridiculous. I don't even eat an entire roast chicken now. Um, I wouldn't be able to eat an entire roast chicken now. But the second that I come into work with my containers of food and, you know, I can tell people what the macronutrients of my meal are, that you're obsessed. Mm. It's like... I'm just knowing what's going into my body. Yeah, but like, so yeah, what is measured can be controlled. Exactly. And like, also, I don't, I don't see why that's a bad thing. Like, no. Um, I think it's surely it's like okay. So, if you really had a handle on your money, you'd know yeah. what your bills were. Mm-hmm. You'd know how much like free income you had to spend at the end of the month. Yeah. You'd know. Okay, I'm going on holiday, so I'm going to put a bit of money aside for that over the next few months, and that's fine. Yeah. So why don't you know it with calories? Exactly. Why, like, why is that a bad thing? But let's talk about something a little bit more positive then. So yes. obviously you have had a lot of changes within your body um, and I, I guess uh, neurologically as well. So let's give me your, the two best changes that's happened for you physically. Uh, physically? Um, I give you two because you always ask me for one and I always give you two. Okay. Uh, so physically... See, then, that's generous, right? Uh, discovering a jawline. <laughs> is okay. the first one yeah, always nice that, that was the first time I saw it I was like oh my god yeah, not just your, your chin not just like just chin become chest um, <laughs> and my waist mm-hmm. so I obviously you gain fat and lose fat in, in different you can't you can't spot train fat but I can tell that I'm in like a good physical shape or I'm getting into good physical shape when I can see my waist again mm-hmm. and I didn't realise for so many years that I had like a thinner waist like mm-hmm. I thought I mean, it was big everywhere, so I just assumed I was like, I'm an apple. It's like, no, you're morbidly obese. Um, (laughs) Whereas now that I'm leaner and I'm getting leaner, like, I'm seeing my waist come in and it makes me want to go shopping for, like, clothes that accentuate it. And it's really nice to have that positive connection to my body, which I didn't have for so long. Which leads into what are the two best changes that have happened for you mentally? Um... Self-confidence, predominantly. Uh, How does that affect you on a day-to-day level? So, I can go into work, I can talk to anyone in the office, I can talk to people. And you genuinely feel like that's because your body composition Well, yeah, because for so long, I was like, anytime I talked to someone, all I could think of was, they think I'm fat, they think Mm -hmm. I'm fat, they think I'm fat. Or, I was being so self-deprecating to the point of... Um, I never believed that I could literally do anything. Like, I would be at uni and I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I I can't even look after myself. How am I going to be able to do anything? Um, so, yeah, I think self-confidence is... So, I really relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, I think I talked about it, like, my first year of being a PT when I was overweight, I didn't feel like anyone would give me the time of day yeah. or give me any sort of credibility because, as a PT, you should be in shape. 
Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I've had people say to me that they didn't even know I worked there. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't know I worked there for so long because... I just didn't really talk to anyone and like and it was no wonder that you know I struggled the first couple of months with my business because I was just like well I'm overweight so yeah. why would anyone else think that I can help them yeah um, and then you know as I've made them especially this year which has probably been the biggest year for my like body composition changes I feel so much more confident mm-hmm. and I, that you know that comes through in every area right not yeah. just like in terms of getting clients and stuff like you just um it's not to say we're without insecurity, but yeah. um, you know, your confidence, um, it, and, and you know, it's, it's really true that people think that confidence is attractive. Yeah. And it's not necessarily even just in a sexual level, like, m- m- makes people aspire to, to do better themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, um, it gives, it can actually create like almost like a, uh, like and it's almost like an illusion that you're doing better than you actually oh, are. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, like because I've made those changes myself, people immediately think that I'm a lot fitter than I yeah. am. And, <laughs> and I'm like, no, guys. No, yeah, I like. Um, I have recently restarted the Couch to Five K program, which I do every like six months, and then pretend like I'm a runner, and I'm not. But it's like a good form of like getting me back out into doing some form of like jogging cardio. Um, Metcon is next up after nutrition. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'll tell people this, and they're like, well, I can you, you can't run now. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying. Uh, but, you know, it, it's one that it's a slow process. And I think, especially um, when you lose a large amount of weight, People think when you've lost the weight, you're suddenly like an Olympic athlete. Yeah. It's like, no, I've spent, you know, a year and a half losing this weight. Um, now I've, I'm essentially starting from like year, like an 11-year-old level of fitness. Yeah. I've got to build it up. So what would be the second thing for this uh, challenge for you mentally? Actually, I think the way I treat others mm-hmm. as well, which is really interesting. Um, so I, for a very long time, would sort of assume that everyone around me was right because they were skinnier than I was. And I would assume uh, that my opinion didn't really have any value. And because of that, I effectively was a pushover. Yeah. Um, whereas now, I'm a lot more, like I said, with the confidence. Uh, I'm a lot more confident in my own opinion and my own thoughts. But I am aware of that in other people. Yeah. So... It's it's ultimately made me a better partner because I'm able to listen to her feelings and to what she wants to express. And I'm like, okay, well, this is how I approach it from a I want to be better or I want to get better. Um, This is how I can offer you advice from that aspect. Um, It's made me a better co-worker. I think a better friend as well, to be honest. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Cool. So you talked earlier about sustainability. So let's just clear one thing up. So everyone is on a diet, right? Mm -hmm. Diet is what you eat. Yeah. So when people refer to being on a diet, most people mean that they're trying to eat in a calorie deficit. And the best diet in the world is the diet you can stick to. Mm -hmm. Which is why we talk a lot about improving your relationship with food rather than necessarily trying to overhaul and do like, okay... Like, I'm eating Domino's and Burger King every day. Now I'm going to go paleo, right? Because that wholesale change from 
you know the majority of people is not going to work. Yeah. Facts. Um, so sustainability in this context means you know something that you can stick to, something that um, allows you. You talked about flexibility, um, so you can still have those you know a bit of what you want, um, but ultimately you're continually working towards your goal. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've really struggled with, and it's why since I reached, like, so when I first lost the weight, and then I reached a point where I was like, okay, I'm done losing weight now, I didn't, because you've spent so long in a deficit, Mm. and I had no idea how to, because I'd gone directly from terrible food Mm -hmm. to, I say terrible food, nutritionally lower calorie higher yeah so let's talk about that yeah briefly um so we can define um when we talk about eating like quality food or uh when we talk about healthy food yeah there's two ways of defining that really we can talk about being cal- less calorifically dense yeah or more nutrient dense yeah and ideally we both yeah exactly so um i went from a diet of like, I would buy two large share bags of dairy milk buttons and put them into one. Because in my mind, I was therefore only eating one bag of dairy milk. I'm eating 200 grams. That's a thousand calories in chocolate that I'm eating on top of a large Domino's. And it's like, the, the mental games that I would play with myself um, to be able to eat this food are insane. I went from that sort of level of diet to I'm going to eat a Quest bar and some fruit. Yeah. And... So I only had two mindsets. I had bad, bad food. I say bad food. Uh, I had that kind of food. And then I had dieting Sarah. So it was binging Sarah and dieting Sarah. I didn't have maintaining Sarah or just a healthy lifestyle Sarah. Or just Sarah. Yeah. So I hadn't created that middle ground. So I stopped dieting and then I started binging again. Not all the time. Yeah. Because I had the knowledge of what calories were. I'd created this sort of recipe bank of uh, in my head of like, okay, if I eat this, this, and this, that's fine. Um, but it, I would flip between the two very extremely. So I would either be binging Sarah or very, very dieting Sarah. Or binging Sarah or dieting Sarah. And that led to a whole host of uh, different patterns of disordered eating. Um, and it wasn't sustainable. And that's, that's the ultimate thing. Like the diet wasn't something that I could stick to because it wasn't healthy and then I really started to look at what I was eating I bumped up my veggies way higher so I was making sure that I was getting like large amounts of food in for lower calories so we've talked about our morning routines I've talked about the amount of vegetables I eat for breakfast it's not that many calories it's maybe adding up to 150 calories worth of vegetables throughout the day Maybe 200 if I have sweet potato. But it's a lot of food. And that fills me up. And you look at it on a plate. And my, my parents will sometimes come downstairs when I'm eating it. And they'll be like, what are you eating? And I'm like, oh, actually, this whole meal is about 400 calories and da, 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 grams of protein. They're like, I don't understand that. Um, because we view high amounts of food as lots of calories in our heads, we don't... You, there's not that sort of nutritional education... Whereas now, like, I can eat a large amount of lower calorie, higher nutrient, be full, 
and be like, oh my god, I just got to eat all of this food, and I feel great, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep eating all this food that makes me feel great. Like, if I want some chocolate, I can have it in my diet, I can fit it in, mm-hmm. and, you know, like I talked to earlier about how I eat pancakes four times a week. Now, if you said to someone, you know, she is still losing weight at a... She's losing fat at a solid, consistent rate, and she eats pancakes four times a week. If they didn't have that concept of energy balance, they'd be like, what? How How are you... How do you do that? And that's what I really, really... Because people, when, you, when they find out that you lose weight always want to know how you did it Mm -hmm. it's the first question I'm like oh my god how did you do it I'm like oh calorie deficit and movement alright keep your secrets and uh, and they're like no what what did you do is it a pill are you taking fat burners it's apple cider vinegar actually yeah oh it's uh, apple Uh, cider vinegar and keto oh yeah it's that bulletproof coffee every morning for sure yeah that's the only thing that that's what you do adding 90 calories of butter 120 calories of butter to my coffee in the morning really uh, helps um, but say shit. Stupid idiot! Like, <laughs> uh, I've tried it and I just can't do it. I, I've, it's not. I'm not a fan. Uh, <laughs> when you when you add a knob of butter and one of those things is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, um, but people don't want to hear it. And now, so this year, for some context, when I started training with Alex again. I said, you know what, I'm just going to weigh myself every day. I'm going to see what I'm eating. And then that's how I'll learn how my body reacts to things. And I was terrified the first time I stepped on the scale this year. I was absolutely terrified. Because uh, I knew that I'd gain weight because I'd been eating more. Shocking. Um, and not moving as much. But to draw back to your bank analogy, you don't know how much you're in debt unless you look at your bank balance. Like... I didn't know, so I, at one point this year, was almost £190, which is crazy, because my dress size remained the same. Uh, like, I knew I was a little bit heavier, but... Where are you at now? Uh, into the 150s. Yeah, right. So, so and... I, two and a half stone down. Exactly. And I don't feel like I've been deprived. I don't feel like I'm weaker. I haven't passed out. Like, it's just sticking to a consistent amount of food whether I mean that varies uh, and sometimes you know some weeks I'll lose less and I'll freak out to Alex and be like Alex why am I not losing weight and he'll text me going just keep at it and then I'll have a big whoosh of calories like whoosh of calories whoosh of weight loss Um, but that sort of consistency is how I will live the rest of my life and I'm not saying I'm going to weigh myself every day for the rest of my life I'm not going to weigh out all my food for the rest of my life but I'm learning and practicing and learning these habits so that now I can prepare a meal that I roughly know is going to fit into my diet. So in a few years time, I won't need to pull out my fitness pal every time I want to make a meal. Um, It's, I think everyone should track what they're eating at some point in their life. And I don't think it's a scary thing. I think we make it a scary thing. And I think we add factors onto it. But my goal is not to be afraid of food. And for a long time, I used food as a comfort and as a crutch. And then I got very scared of food. Because I was like, food is what makes you fat. Food what, food is what made you fat. But it is, that's true. But 
the food didn't do that to me. I don't have to look at like a chocolate bar and run away in fear and cry and be like, oh God, if I have a bit of that, I'm going to eat the entire thing. It's like, no, you're in control. Ultimately, I'm the one who decides what I put in my mouth. That's what she said. Oh God. I was, I was like, no, don't do it. And then I looked at you and I was like, oh God. But (laughs) (laughs) it's because you paused. I wasn't going to say anything. So I'm the one. We all individually are in control of what we want to eat. It's like Christmas um, is one of those times of the year where everyone worries they're going to put on weight. Everyone panics. It's like enjoy the time of year. Enjoy, you know, have some Twizzlers. Have some. I love Twizzlers. The fuck's a Twizzler? The like uh, twiglets, like the Twizzler. Not twiglets twizzlers. and Twizzlers are two Twi- very different. Twizzlers things. are the licorice things. Um, I mean, I like them too. Uh, like, eat the food that you want to eat. And yeah. Just be aware of it. Be like, okay, so if I am gonna on Christmas Day have this meal, I'm gonna have some chocolate. I'm gonna have a drink with my family. Enjoy it. Enjoy that moment. Enjoy that time. If you get on the scale the next day and you're heavier, that's it. Like. You can't do anything about it at that time of the moment. You've got to get back to eating consistently and not let, I don't want to say a slip up, don't let an experience complete then change what you're going to eat. Well, let's put this into perspective. Yeah. How old were you in 2015? 2015, I was 22. 22. 22, right. Yeah. So it took you 22 years to get to that size. Yeah. And now in 2019, Mm -hmm. you've lost 150 pounds. Yeah. Right, it's taken four years to get there. Mm-hmm. So what happens? What like we can establish from that is what happens on a day. Yeah, doesn't change. Exactly. Like anything, really. What happens consistently yeah. is what changes things. Yeah. So, I uh, over my birthday weekend was out of the country, and I'd said to Alex beforehand, "I'll be honest, I'm a little bit scared about what's going to happen. Uh, like I know that I'm going to." Uh, be not tracking everything uh i'm probably going to consume more and i you know i ate more when i was there because i was on holiday it was like a big time in my life and i got back i was slightly heavier i kept on i got back to how i was eating before and the weight dropped off and it's if i'd have just looked at that number the day because i supposedly the day i got back weighed in seven pounds heavier now i had two days of untracked eating it's quite hard to gain seven pounds of fat in two days. I mean, I probably could. Don't get me wrong. If you get me near ice cream, but that's something that I can control, hmm. and that's a process that I can control. And anyone can do it. It's just, it's the hardest step to take when it comes to fat loss is the first one, and sort of looking at yourself and going, "I want to change," is the most difficult thing to do. And then from there, it's like, this is going to be a long process. And accepting that it's a long process, I think, is also difficult. Because people expect that they're going to lose, like, two stone in, you know, a week. And then they don't. And they're like, oh, no, everything is terrible. I give up. But, yeah. I'm aware I rambled on then for about... I answered about six different questions. Oh, even the playing field. That's true. So my food level one qualification is... <laughs> but no, and now I, I genuinely really enjoy food. I enjoy food. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy sharing food with people. And I'm not terrified of it, which is really nice. It's the first time in my life. Trivia. 
Bon appetit. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm going to ask you a question, Alex. Right. Since I've talked enough. <laughs> so as a personal trainer, I can imagine the majority of the people that come to talk to you are talking to you about because they want to lose weight. Right. Would you say that's an accurate assessment? Yes. Okay. As someone who has had their own body composition changes, um, how do you approach clients that either have like a little bit of weight that they want to lose or have a complete lifestyle overhaul? Is it something you approach differently or is it like a similar kind of way? Well, if we're talking exclusively about nutrition, like I'm not a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. I actually don't have any nutritional qualifications, right? Yeah. Um, and as we've alluded to, people's relationship with food is super complex. Yeah. So for me to come in and start giving out meal plans, I think really is wholly irresponsible. Yeah. What I can do is offer advice Mm -hmm. and give people facts. Yeah. So there's certain truths out there that uh, kind of aren't really debated, right? So I can start there and I can get people to have a look at what they're eating and I'll have a look at it and sort of guide people from there. Um, but ultimately, um, I would rather people, I'd rather see people's relationship with food improve. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, yeah, I just don't agree with whole, wholesale changes like across the board because I just think, you know, going back to sustainability, I just don't think it often works. And, um, you know, if people people would probably be better placed putting their money into working with an actual dietitian or nutritionist. Yeah. That's actually, you know, uh, can help work with them on their relationship with food. Even more so than necessarily PT. Yeah. Because as I talked about in the CrossFit podcast, most of the changes that people need to make can be made through nutrition alone. That will be the difference between being in sickness and wellness. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that being said... Um, if someone comes to me and they've just got a small composition change that they want to make, or if someone comes to me and they've got a long way to go to get towards wellness and fitness, the approach is fairly similar because, like like I said, like there's universal truths and commonalities mm-hmm. between them. And ultimately, you've kind of got to meet people. My job is to meet people where they are. Yeah. Yeah, rather than trying to expect them to come to me mm-hmm. or, or to a place that is you know a lot further away than than where they are so small changes um or not even changes just things like um i like one of the things i've tried to do recently is just set small challenges yeah so i had someone come to me and they said that they uh they don't have a very varied diet Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that they um just don't really enjoy eating yeah um or they don't really know where to start in terms of trying new things. So the challenge was over a week, I wanted them to try two new foods. Yeah. And that's it. Super simple. Just try them. They didn't mm-hmm. have to like them. Didn't have to carry any of them if they didn't like them. Yeah. But just try them. And it's like a very small change, but, um, and then obviously they come back in and, and report back to me as to what they tried and whether they liked it. And it was something that, I had when I was very young. So when I was younger, um, all I wanted to eat was pasta carrots and turkey dinosaurs, so breaded dinosaurs. Um, and my mum just got to the point where she was like, I can't let you just keep eating this. Yeah. So one day a week, we're going to try something new. 
and you know, are we going to eat it or are you going to go hungry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we started off trying like one new thing a week, and gradually, in fact, like fairly quickly. Yeah. Obviously, the more I tried, the more I thought, oh, this is actually really nice. The less pasta, carrots, and dinosaurs I ate, the more variety I got in my diet. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And like now, I think I'm probably one of the least fussy eaters. Yeah. Like that I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'll eat m- most things, and that's part of the issue. <laughs> yeah, for me, is I I enjoy food, and I you know I enjoy everything really. Um, so yeah, um, but really in terms of working with like clients who want to make body composition changes, it's it's small changes. It's it's talking about the the common truths. With uh, amongst like the energy balance, and the energy equation, um, and uh, f- my job is to get people moving. Yeah. Um, that's where that's where I fit into this. That's my piece of the puzzle, and I don't, I'm not gonna try and overextend myself. Yeah. To to be doing something that I'm not qualified to do, because I think it's uh, like I said, sort of irresponsible and potentially dangerous, and oh, yeah. you could potentially end up doing more damage to that person's eating behaviour than they've already got, and. Um, yeah, I don't want. I don't know. I don't want that responsibility. Well, yeah, it's like you see uh, some of these like fitness influencers online who are selling meal plans, and they're selling the same meal plan to everyone. Mm. And it's like, oh, here's twelve hundred calories of chicken, broccoli, and rice. Eat mm. that three times mm. a day, and then you're done. If someone is trying to make a big change in their diet, doing that to them is probably the worst thing that you can do because then they're going to fail at it. Yeah, they're going to feel terrible. They're going to fail about it, and they're going to enter into an even worse relationship with food. Yeah. So yeah, Whew. long. That was a that was a that was a ramble. No, it was, it was good. good. I um, yeah, I think when it comes to food and diet, um, it you know finding a way that you can enjoy good quality food. You know, eating healthy is not boring. No. Once you realise that, your eyes are open. Yeah. Um. Once you stop blaming other people for for where you are in your life, you'll be able to achieve things that you didn't know you could. And, um, you know, just work with the right people. And, you know, one of the things that really grinds my gears, so like you talked earlier about how it's weird, how people find it weird that you come in with your Tupperware and you know the back rows of the, your food contents and stuff. And often it's people without even necessarily realising that they're doing it. So say, for example, someone's bought in a 12-pack of Krispy Kreme. They say, Alex, do you want one? I say, no, I'm good, thank you. Oh, Why? I say, I just don't want one. Oh, you're not on a diet, are you? No, I just don't want one. Well, have one then. <laughs> I, I don't want one. Yeah. <laughs> and if I eat it, then potentially I'm going to end up eating more. And yeah. And potentially I'm going to end up going over on my calories for that day, um, which who knows where that could potentially lead. Or alternatively, maybe I just don't want a damn donut. Yeah. So stop trying to peer pressure people into it. Yeah. Yeah. Let, if, if someone says they don't want something, just then, then allow them, them to to live their life the way they want to. Now, fair enough, you, you might say, um, Alex, do you want a Krispy Kreme? I say, no, I'm okay, thank you. You could say something like, okay, well, I'll leave you one, and then if you want it later, yeah. right, you can have it. Cool, thanks, Mike, see you later. Yeah. Yeah, that's a much better conversation, exactly. right? Exactly, Um, You know, uh, so one of the greatest things about food is the social element of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not to be forgotten. However... You got to respect to the people, especially like try and help them. You know, if their goal is body composition related, you can still offer them a donut. But if they say no, don't try and force it down their throat. Yeah. Like, 
they're trying to lose weight. Yeah. For their health. Exactly. <laughs> and having having a good support system around you is one of the best things. So it doesn't happen with cigarettes anymore, I tell you that. Like, no, well, exactly. You don't, you, don't, you don't have a cigarette? Okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, they're expensive, so that's probably <laughs> why. But, like, um, so my parents are a fantastic support system in this because, so one of the positives to living at home is that I can come home to my mom having cooked my vegetables for the next day for me. Hmm. But Dreamy. I know. Um, but she, you know, she'll, like, I'll text her in the morning and be like, hey, mom, if you've got a, if you've got a moment today, can you cook me 80 grams of da 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 this whatever? And obviously I'm very privileged that she'll do that for me. But she's retired. Um, <laughs> no, um, work woman, <laughs> but, but having that support and her not being like, well, what, a, what's wrong with this? Why don't you just eat this in the morning? Or why don't you just eat that? Why she doesn't just do have cereal. Yeah. She doesn't do that because she understands that this is an important goal for me. And having that support system is one of the best things. And mm. it's important to have people around. I think if you just sit people down and explain it to them, I think a lot of people are very receptive to it. Because yeah. if you're like, I'm trying to make this change for my health, having this support would really help me. And then I think people... But having that conversation is difficult. Damn. It's almost like communication is the key to positive relationships in life. What? That's wild. Mind blown. That's wild. Anyway, I think we've talked enough today. Do you reckon? I think so. I think this is our longest episode so far. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What are we on? I don't know, it's in weird okay. bars. Right. Well, but thanks yeah. for listening, guys. You can find us online. I am uh, at aparkinson underscore UK and at risefitnessuk. Go have a watch of the series two of the vlog, Road to Rise. Um, you can find Sarah. At sarah.deacon on Instagram. And, uh, yeah. Email your questions to... riseandgrindpod at gmail.com. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. Bye.